Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking all things project management. I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad, where our focus is project management with a purpose. And today, I'm going to start my show talking about one way the project management squad is advocating for project management with a purpose through our Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program. Uh, We just kicked off our most current wave on Monday, and we have 18 veterans who have signed up, and we've paired them with PMPs from across the country. We're now up to 25 states and three different countries which have been represented. Uh, So we're doing a really great job with our partners, Vets to PM and Veterans to Work. Thank you for that. Uh, So we do have a quarterly program. Each quarter, we kick off a new mentoring wave. The next one will be in July. So uh, folks can go out to our website, PMO Squad, and and sign up today to join the next wave. But I wanted to share an email that we got from one of our participants yesterday. He's a veteran who just signed up for the program and had his first meeting with his mentor. Uh, So bear with me for a moment as I read his email. I just wanted to drop a quick email thanking you for what you do. I had my first conversation today with my PMO mentor, Matt Henderson. I'm very excited to work with him and looking forward to our future conversation. Thanks again for running this mentorship program, Stephen. And when we get those emails like that, it it obviously reinforces why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, But in just one meeting, that veteran was compelled, of course, to send in a note thanking us for the program and also thanking Matt for his participation as a mentor. So Matt, if you're listening, thank you for being a mentor and participating. And there's a connection to our show today as ironically, Matt's business partner, Kim Essendrup, is one of our guests that we're gonna have on today. So thank you, Kim, for joining us. And then secondly, also wanted to mention that if you're a project manager, you're listening to the show and you're interested in ways that you can give back to our community, much as we're trying to do with the PMO squad, go out to the website, sign up to be a mentor. It's a quarter at a time. It's not a big time commitment, but it can make a big impact. And emails like Stephen are great evidence of the good that we're doing in our community. Also want to mention everybody who's listening, because I know there's millions of you out there in the world today listening in right now. If you are out there on Twitter, you can uh, tweet a question to us using hashtag PMO Joe. We're monitoring Twitter. We'll get to your question live on air. So anything for myself or the guests, we'll get to those and we can have a nice interactive show. So with that, I've already mentioned one of our guests, Kim, but we also have with us Jen Tanabi from Vertical Measures. Thank you, Kim, for joining uh, Kim and Jen for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be on. So let's talk some project management stuff. First, Jen, uh, as I've gotten to know you a little bit better, right? Uh, one thing we have in common is we both are Golden Doodle owners. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and your Golden Doodle Winston. Okay. Well, I, like you mentioned already, I work for Vertical Measures. I'm the director of project management there. And at Vertical Measures, we are a digital marketing agency. We focus on growing our clients' audiences and then using that 
audience to gain real revenue. And we do that a number of ways. We offer strategy, SEO, content, link development, and paid lead nurture. So those are all the services kind of I helped oversee those types of projects. But my role specifically there, it's Oh my gosh, I wear very many hats, I would say. Um, I obviously oversee our project management team so that we have a few project managers on my team. I support, lead, train them um, so that they can lead, lead successful projects. I also oversee or kind of am very close to our client onboarding process. So I view review contracts and scopes of work before they go out the door. And I really look at that from a a PM perspective. If I receive this scope, am I going to understand how to set up the project? And are they missing anything? I am in charge of Workfront. So that's our project management software. I'm very closely involved. I keep up with all of the releases and um, any improvements and I help support our team in any way. So um, there's lots of data that comes from Workfront. So I help streamline that data and aggregate it into reports that can help our team. Um, And lastly, I'm a project manager myself. I um, don't just oversee the project management team, but I am in charge of a few of what we call enterprise level accounts. So some of the bigger accounts there. And I I really love doing that because it keeps me close to uh, clients and processes. And like you mentioned, I am a golden doodle lover. My uh, golden doodle turned one in on May 2nd. And so I've been dealing with mom life, mom dog life here for the past year, um, which has been fun and um, challenging at times. Is he a a mini doodle or is he full size? He was supposed to be a medium size, but he's about 50 pounds, I would say. And he just got the world's worst haircut three weeks ago. (laughs) So he's growing back to be his fluffy self. Yeah, we've got yeah. two 75 pounders, uh, two brothers from the same litter. So it's they okay. they control the house. Oh yeah. And uh, you mentioned that you're they're they're pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> compared to mine. Well, great. Welcome. And you had mentioned Workfront, obviously, as a project management yep. solution. And we'll kind of use that maybe for a lead in to you, Kim, uh, with the Call Me group. Uh, obviously, tell us a little bit about you, but you guys are focused on project management software and solutions. That's right. I, I don't have a golden doodle, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a King Charles Cavalier. I think at this point we have more pictures of the dog than my children. So yeah, I know <laughs> the feeling. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, Colmy Group is a practice that um, my partners and I put together, one of which being Matt Henderson, who you mentioned earlier. And I feel very fortunate that I got a chance to partner with him when um, job situations changed for both of us. And it just was a great synergy. I've known him for years. I actually showed up for my first international project in Prague, fresh off the plane, no idea what I was doing with my family of five, including a six-month-old baby. So we show up bleary-eyed in Prague, no idea about anything, how to get to our hotel, how to, how to eat, how to do anything, how to get money. And saving the day for us was Matt Henderson standing on the curb. So he picked us up and he took care of us. So ever since then, I have a deep affection for him and he's always been kind of a mentor for me through the years as, a, as I've worked for him on occasion and now I'm fortunate enough to uh, partner with him. You know, I, I think Matt's our hero of the day, right? He got the great email and now the, the good words from you. So maybe I want to be Matt today, but <laughs> I'll just be PMO Joe, I guess. Tying into that, the, the Kim and, and I have been on the air previously together. Kim, have you have your own uh, podcast as well. And the topic was mentoring. You had me on as a guest on your show, and we talked about mentoring for a while. Do you want to 
tell us a little bit about the PM Happy Hour? Who better to have on for a show about mentorship, Joe? I don't well. think there's anybody better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, I've got a podcast. It's called Project Management Happy Hour. And uh, my co-host, Kate, and I started up the podcast just trying to see, can we make a podcast on project management that's you know interesting and not, you know, at the time there was a lot of boring podcasts out there. So uh, we just did it and just tried to have fun with it. It's really taken off so much so that we've actually built up a new business around it and where we offer some online education and we also have an online community. You can subscribe and get access to um, take quizzes so you can earn PDUs for every podcast that you take. And we submit those to PMI for you and we do all kinds of cool stuff. So um, that's that's another business that we've got besides Call Me Group, which I'm working on. So mm-hmm. between those two, that's pretty much all my days and most of my nights, I think. And you just had your the first PM happy hour user forum meeting uh, probably about two or three weeks ago, I think it was. Yeah, it was a little longer. So one of the one of the things we try to do with PM happy hour is we want to get engaged with our audience. So it's one thing to sell sort of a one-off quiz where you can come and take a quiz and get PDUs for your your the podcast you listen to. But what we wanted to do is try to develop more of a community. We want to interact with our our listeners. We want to talk to them. We want to learn from them. And that's kind of the fun. It's like happy hour. You want to you want to hang out and have a discussion. So um, we decided to reform Project Management Happy Hour as a membership. So you can sign up. There's a community area. We try to interact. And as part of that, we have once a month, we have a uh, membership Q&A. So we have a few things where we uh, share some news about about PM happy hour and the things we're trying to do, new podcasts that are coming up. And we just have an open, basically a virtual happy hour. I think next time we're going to have cameras mandatory so we can see everybody, <laughs> which, yeah, I, know. I think you should buy drinks for everybody across the world <laughs> next time. We, we talked about doing that, going around the circle and say, okay, what are you drinking? Coffee, beer, <laughs> wine, whatever it is. And um, just we, we just try to have fun with it. You know, a lot of what we do is there's a big um, high stakes with project management. Sometimes you've got million dollar projects, your company's depending on you. If you're as a project manager, don't really do your job. There's a lot of things at stake. And so we like to just ease back the pressure a little bit and just have that open conversation that you might have at a happy hour. And I think the, the, the piece that's drawn me to your show and to you and Kate is the laid back approach to a serious topic, right? It's, as you mentioned, project management is always doing the most important things for a company, right? It's a project that people have chosen to right. do. And it's high stress, it's high leverage, it's high expectations. But when we step around uh, from that as professionals, when we get a chance to meet at the bar and have happy hour, you don't want to have that same stress in those discussions. And you and Kate do a, a great job taking that show and make it lighthearted infusing humor into that and make it actually something that's enjoyable to listen to. Thanks. I will say that most of the good things you just mentioned are Kate. Kate (laughs) Well, hopefully Kate's listening as well, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I, I told her, so I sure hope she's, she's listening. One of my joys of doing this show is I get to meet so many different people at so many different points in their career with different backgrounds, different expectations. And we've all walked close to the same path because we're all tied to project management. And Jen, obviously, you're in a a great position at Vertical Measures where you're leading projects as well as being a director of the PMO. Mm -hmm. Can you share with our listeners what's that career path been like for you, right? (laughs) If, If I'm coming out of school and I'm thinking about a career in project management and I want to someday be a director, right? How, right. what's that look like? 
so hard to say because I feel like I've stumbled into it. Um, I, of course, went to school for marketing, so I knew that was my general interest, but I started off as an account coordinator um, doing focusing on PR. I worked for an agency. I ended up moving around this agency and eventually working for a team that worked closely with our project management team. So I got to see how project managers worked and the skill sets they needed or even the skills that they lacked that kind of frustrated me a little bit, such as maybe not being the most organized person. And I eventually was like, oh, you know, project management seems like a path I would really like. You get it. Um, in my case and in the case back then, you got to interact with both clients and the internal team. So I, I'm kind of like a social butterfly. I like having that variety in my day um, and interaction. And so I eventually I became a project manager. So I wouldn't say that graduating college, I thought this was my career, but it's definitely been a career that suited me. Um, I ended up knowing that I wanted to be more of a leader in project management. I ended up going back and getting my MBA and gaining skills from that that helped me get to where I am now, um, overseeing a project management team. So I, I will say that helped a lot. Um, I was fortunate enough to have somebody who I consider a mentor as even she's currently my manager even today. Um, she was at my old agency with me and she was really the one that kind of urged me towards the project management direction after I um, showed interest in it. So I don't know what I would say to a person just graduated college. They may not even have project management on their radar, but um, I would. it's a great profession if you like the organization, if you like being involved in lots of things, if you like the variety in your day. I don't know. What, what would you say? I, I, you know, <laughs> what was your path? <laughs> no, it's, it's Securitas is the one you talked yeah. about. And I think that's pretty normal. Most of the best project managers that I know didn't come out of college and say, I'm going to be a project manager. You know, mm -hmm. they, they sort of took a different route and they, they, they went around the loop and, and somewhere along the line decided that that was, that was a way that got them a, a door to do things that they wanted to do or felt naturally inclined to do. Uh -huh. And I know for me, right, I, same thing. I was a software consultant that was going to different car dealerships at the time because it was a software for car dealers. And my boss one day asked me how the project was going. I didn't, I didn't know. I wasn't a project manager. Right? I was a regional systems consultant, but I didn't even know I was working on a project. Mm -hmm. And then when I found out I was, I was like, well, that, I kind of like that, right? That was kind of cool. Let's, how do I do that again? And, you know, that evolved over time to eventually becoming an executive director of a PMO as well. And then eventually stepping out to start my own company because just who I am, right? Where I'm just wired this way. And I, that's what I find as well is it can stumble into something, but the reality is that's just who you are, right? right. And that's how you operate. Yeah. The other part of that is getting to meet people in different industries. So I don't think we've had anybody on the show yet who comes from uh, an agency background. So how, uh, how is project management perceived for your, your internal teams versus work that you do for clients? Tough question. So you know, I don't know if you are very familiar with the agency setup, but there's a, an account manager and a project manager on every account. And the account manager is more of the relationship holding strategy, that type of thing. And then the project manager is more of the internal team cheerleader in charge of schedules and making sure we're within scope and, and that sort of thing. So in terms of a client, they probably see it more as... I would say um, the person that may be nagging when things are late, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but ultimately keeping them on tracking, making sure the 
their projects are moving along and that they're getting things when we're saying, you know, we're mm-hmm. delivering them. Internally, I would say that the, you know, our internal team or our, what we call our subject matter experts are probably a little bit closer to the project managers than say an account manager, because they are the people communicating with the project manager on a day-to-day basis. Um, they're checking if they have questions or the needs from the client, they're, the project manager is the first person that they go to, to get that information. You know, the other side of it is the project managers are making sure that their resource capacity is not over allocated. So we're the people that have the insight to that their, you know, their day-to-day capacity, their weekly, monthly capacity and um, effort measures. We really pride ourselves on work-life balance. Not all agencies can say that, but we, you know, if they're not, they don't have work-life balance, they're not a happy person. And so that's what our team really tries to um, maintain for them, you know, other than the project schedules and the making sure things are delivered and we say that sort of thing. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how much you have been able to work in agencies. I know in sort of your, you know, your consulting role, but agencies are probably a different beast than a lot of other. Actually, it's very similar yeah. to professional services. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, that's professional services as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of my career has been focused on technical professional services. And I started off as a technical consultant because I love the problem solving aspect. You know, the you've got a business problem and you've got these tools you can use to go and solve that problem. And I love doing that. But the thing that always drove me nuts were the project managers. They just <laughs> they were causing all these problems. I thought if I can fix, if I can be a PM and I can fix that, then the world will be right. So I got myself in the project management kind of got to a point where I was comfortable after I realized, well, this is a lot more difficult than I, th- I thought it was. So I <laughs> went through that process and learned. And then working as a project manager, I was part of larger programs. And I kept thinking, gosh, you know, these guys run on the programs. This is where it's broken. If I could get in and fix the programs, everything would be right. So I transitioned into program management. And, you know, again, it was a lot more complicated than I had thought it was. But as soon as I figured that out, now it was looking at the PMO and the portfolio. Gosh, you know what? If we could get aligned with the business and get that sorted out up front, that would help the program, the project, and the technology. And sort of that route. And so now where, where, I, where I've been and where my partner, Matt, has also been from is we were both at a point where we're running portfolios and, you know, working in the, in the PMO. And we both had that common struggle where the tools just were not there. Um, you know, it's funny in this modern day age where you've got Salesforce and these amazing SaaS-based tools, I mean, most, most uh, portfolios and PMOs out there, they're run off of Excel spreadsheets. Um, glad to hear you've got work from me. That's, yeah. that's one of the great tools out there. And so we um, went through a process where we started looking at tools in the market and doing our own analysis. And we picked, we picked a tool, a different one, uh, Claris, and, and uh, implemented it. And it was a complete game changer for us. And so now it's the circle was closed. And so now Matt and I have I partnered to now take that, take the tool sets and go work with different PMOs and try to fix those problems using that tool. And so that we kind of come full circle and are solving problems that way. Yeah, we've had, uh, another reason I love the show is to get multiple thoughts and opinions on different project management topics. Mm-hmm. So we've had the agile waterfall discussion on here and a couple right. others. And, and for me, another one that I think both of you can really contribute to is the tool debate. All right. So obviously there's, we, we see that at the PMO squad as well. Of course, a lot of Excel based work out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're tool agnostic. It doesn't matter which tool we, we support. 
But is it a Plainview world? Is it an Asana world? Is it a Trello world? Is it a Clarity world? Is it a Clarison world? Is it a Workfront world? Is it a Smartsheets world? There's so many tools out there today. How do you pick which one <laughs> works for you, right? How do you how do you know which is the right tool for your company? We actually went through this process in I want to say February to March of this year. So we. When I joined this agency, we implemented work. We, they were just implementing Workfront, and I had used Workfront at my previous agency, so I was very familiar with it. I actually used Clarison for about a month as well. But our Workfront renewal was up um, at the end of March, and so we started kind kind of just testing different tools to see. Um, and we found that there, I mean, there's lots of great tools out there, but there was just certain things that we really, really needed as an agency. Like we really needed to see the data that was super important to us to be able to easily get the data out of the system. We, for example, price or edit our pricing based off of the data that we see. So that was really important with us. And there were some tools that just reporting wasn't easy, you know, or didn't, what didn't make a lot of common sense. Um, then there's also other little nuances about the kind of the day to day of how we use Workfront, such as how we go through our internal QC or our approvals and, and that sort of thing. So that helped us narrow down what didn't work sure. <laughs> or what could possibly work. And ultimately, we stayed with Workfront because it it was just had everything that we needed. But there are some really good tools out there if you are a um, you know if a smaller agency or a smaller company and there are some things that you could do without, then there are other tools. I another tool I work in a lot is Asana because I work with one of my clients. And for me it's easy because I just jump into their system and I upload whatever it is and communicate with them. And that's super simple. But I don't know. I know that um Kim here does Clarison. What would you say are the things that you think are important when you're looking at tools? So our practice is focused um, not not just so much on the tool, but on uh, the the governance and the processes around it. Because it doesn't matter how good the tool is if it's not being adopted, if people don't know how to use it, if you don't have the supporting governance and processes around it, it's it's almost a waste of money. And so that's where we like to focus a lot of our attention: is how do you take that that, that well? First of all, how do you select the right tool? Because mm-hmm. there are so many. Um, we went and sat down. I think Matt actually led this effort. Our, our organization sat down and did an analysis of a hundred different PPM tools in the market. I, mean, I had no idea that there were that many tools yeah. out there. Yeah. There's probably even more than that. <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. In the last two days, there's probably yeah. five more. So yeah, there's a hundred different tools out there. And so we went through an analysis where we we scored and we've got this massive matrix. And then we work with clients that have gone through the process of selecting them. And you know, you come up with your requirements and you've got these the spreadsheet with 200 rows of, well, I needed to do this, I needed to do that. And what's interesting is that from what we've seen, 80 to 90% of that is exactly the same stuff from uh, organization to organization. So when you've got so many choices and you've got so many similar requirements, how do you make that decision? It's pretty difficult. Um, and we actually, we wrote a white paper and if it's all right, we can share it uh, if yeah. you like, but uh, we wrote a white paper to try and help narrow down on those core areas that can help uh, help you differentiate between the different factors. What are the things that are uh, going to be important to you that you need to look look for? Is it how you, you know, how you interact, how you store data, you know, these kinds of things. So, um, and, and so we make that available for everybody just, to help because it's it's a tough decision, and for us, um, we uh, we like Clarison. It's our, our weapon of choice. 
Uh, but certainly we recognize that there's, there's value in a lot of the tools out there. And what do you guys think, uh, you know, we're moving towards machine learning and artificial intelligence and project management has always been thought of as more art than science. But do you think there's tools that are on the horizon or here today that are helping collect data to help project managers make better decisions in real time? Uh, I think it's definitely on the way. It's, it's, it's coming. So the first hints of that is we're seeing some, some PPMs are releasing um, bots. So you, it's a little more natural interaction. And I think that's what a lot of it is, is um, taking out of that repetitive, you know, I've got to click and click, go f- click five things deep to get to where I want to go. If you can have a natural conversation, as it were, quote unquote, through a, through a chat bot and say, hey, I worked five hours on this customer today. Boom, that's done. I can go on with the rest of my life just the way I interact with other people. That's, that's a huge help. Not necessarily AI at this point, but I think that's where that's going. Also, um, I've seen some mock-ups from, from some, some PPM providers um, where they're looking at adding... Who? Tell us who. It's Claire's. And, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love these guys. They, they, they share a lot with me, with me. I, just because, like I said, they're kind of our weapon of choice. But, sure. And they're looking at doing... I'm no way saying that this is a commitment for them. Right. If, if anybody from Claire's is listening. <laughs> but, um, the, the direction that they're going, and I think others are probably going, is learn, using AI to do complex tasks and, look, and run scenarios like, um, I've got to staff a project. I've got to put five people on this project and I've got a team of, you know, a couple dozen people. And what I can do is I can set priorities. Is my priority to get this project done quickly? Is my priority to get it done cheaply? Is my priority to increase the capability of my team? Probably some balance of all those. So what I can do is I can set my priorities and I can say, all right, PPM, give me some scenarios. And it will show you maybe a few different scenarios. You can pick the one and you can staff it. And so I, I think it's steps like that that, are, that AI is really going to help. Um, I I don't see, and I, I hope I don't see in my lifetime when a when a robot's going to come and do our project management for us, because all the value is in the soft skills, as you know, Jen. Right. Yeah. I work front is doing something similar with what you just okay. talked about. Um, it's for I think they call it like an automated workflow type thing, but it's it is staffing projects based off of availability, and you're not even really having to you know manually do anything, but it based on capacity and all that and the skills or the roles that you put into the system for that user, um, they can staff projects without you even really having to do anything. So it's it's far in their roadmap, but I I was on a call with them probably a month or two ago where they were kind of asking various questions related to that and showing loose mock-ups of what this could look like. So, you know, something like that I could see could be on the way. But one thing I wanted to go back to is you talked about adoption of tools. And I think that's a big one, big thing, you know, like how do you get people to adopt these, you know, Claire's in our work front? Because if you don't adopt as a company or agency, it kind of makes the tool useless. Absolutely. And so I don't know, for us, it was kind of running an adoption campaign, you know, rewarding for if you blocked your time for the week or, you know, you got like a Fitbit or I don't know, we just did, and we try to make it simple too, but we call it my four things. There's four things that you have to do every single day um, in the tool. And we really just like campaigned um, that within our agency. So it would increase adoption. But even today we struggle a little bit with people sometimes maybe not liking their time, which is critical for us as to show profitability. Are there things 
tips you recommend to Oh, absolutely. Increase. Yeah. Adoption is, is so important, just as you say. And that's one of the core things we try to impart as we do our onboardings or, or help clients with their, their PPMs or relaunch their PPMs. And the tough part, what you see is you start to see sort of a chicken and egg thing where if the data is not great, then management's not going to believe it and they're not going to consume it. And if management doesn't care what's in the tool, then no one's going to care to put data in there. And so if, if you find yourself on that downward spiral, it's really hard to course correct. So you want to try to come out strong. Um, those kinds of things, the promotions, the you know Fitbit giveaways, those kinds of things when you launch are important to get that initial momentum. Mm-hmm. But you have to maintain that momentum because at any point you could backslide and now you're in this downward spiral of disbelief of what the data holds. So right. um, a, a couple of things that we've seen be very successful is, first of all, you have to define specifically what is adoption is it submitting your timesheet on time is it is it updating tasks in your project plan is it you know submitting doing accurate financial forecasts in your if you're in a professional services world and then what you should be doing is your your ppm tool should be able to track the adoption of those and am i meeting those kpis and then that that lets you have a little science behind looking at where you're falling short and lets you kind of follow up on those and drive adoption in those areas mm-hmm. Another thing that really helps a lot is to make the tool part of your business process. So, for example, if my PPM tool is supposed to be my source of record for all my project intake, and uh, one way to do that is enforce that expectation from executive stakeholder perspective and drive that down. So every time you have your intake review meeting with your investment committee, you're not putting up a PowerPoint slide, you're putting up your PPM tool. You're putting in that intake funnel, that view that says, these are the requests that we've had. And somebody says, well, why didn't you get my request? You say, well, did you put it in the tool like you were supposed to? Right. And so that helps to enforce that, that this is the, the system of record. Mm-hmm. Um, you do that for, you can do the same thing for status reports. Um, what's really nice is if you are in a situation where there are financial incentives tied to the project, of course, if somebody's hourly and that's how they get paid, they're going to be motivated regardless. Mm-hmm. But um, I've seen something similar where uh, if you miss your timesheet submission, you're late for three times within a quarter, you're not eligible for bonus. And that's a bonus. You know, that's yeah. maybe a negative incentive, but it's an incentive. It that could be highly right. motivating. Yeah. <laughs> it's very highly I like motivating. that one. I'm going to take that back. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's part of, right, every project has a component of change management to it. And implementing a new tool is oftentimes the chance where the PMO gets to swallow a bit of their own medicine. So coming up with a a dedicated change management program of adoption for a new tool would be no different than going to a customer and asking them to adopt a new digital program or whatever it may be for them. So we always struggled with that as well when I was running PMOs, but it was was something that we tried to focus on and get leadership buy-in because when you you have to go through the change curve and you know there's going to be a, a dip at some point, but on that upward slope, you don't want to get stalled, right? You want to drive it all the way up to full adoption. So I love the idea of uh, my four things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a program dedicated to that. So that's really smart. I like that. Another thing I want to mention, going back to the, uh, the artificial intelligence type discussion about the new tools. I attended a SIM meeting last night it's a Society for Information Managers. It's CIA, CIOs, CTOs, IT leaders here in Arizona. It's a national group. And their guest speaker last night was um, one of the leaders in the industry on artificial intelligence. And he's on the board for Facebook and uh, consults for all the 
top 50 fortune you know 50 companies and he was talking about where we are um, with ai and where we're headed with ai and it it seems as if we're always thinking one step behind of where we really are in reality and how the human brain some of the amazing stats from last night can only process seven data points but we take in over i think it's three to six million data points so using the artificial intelligence to take in those three to six million data points, boil them down to seven, and then let the human make the decision. And on a project, there's way too much data for a project manager to consume, right? So again, just trying to get your perspective, both of you, on how how do you take the, all of those data points today without having that artificial intelligence or machine learning in place to be able to make smart decisions because what we often hear, right, is project management has a lot of bureaucracy to it and it's slow and it doesn't move fast. But we have to move fast. We have to deliver and our focus has to be on delivery. So how do you boil down those data points into decisions? You should be managing by exception. Okay. Because you've got a portfolio that's, you know, you're, you're billing out, you know, seven, eight figures in a quarter or more. You've got a lot of project activities, a lot of resources to have to go and drill down into each one of those and try to find every place where it can or is going wrong. That's really tough. So what you want to be in a position is, is your, your system should be in this, set up in such a way that those exceptions are going to be flagged up. For example, I've got a project, I've got, I've got a certain amount of, let's say, revenue forecasted based on a bill rate for the quarter and I'm, I'm forecasting and I've made this revenue projection to my management and they've made their, their, you know, uh, commitment out to the board, to the market for, for this revenue. If I'm in a position where it, it, what I want, what I want to happen, see happen is if that project manager has not planned enough resources to even deliver that much billable revenue, well, we need to know about that because if you don't have the resources, how on earth are you going to achieve this revenue goal that you put out there or vice versa? It's a fixed fee fixed fee bid and you're, you're guaranteeing or you're forecasting that you're going to make so much gross profit. And if I look at all the resources you have scheduled on that project, if they really do put in all that effort you forecast, we're actually losing money on this project. So which is it? Are we going to achieve this that you forecast? Or the forecast you're actually doing, is that going to cause us to lose money? So what I would expect to see from these systems is I, I want to see an alert that says, hey, guess what? On this project, you're looking upside down. You better take a look at this. Instead of me having to dig through my portfolio, of a hundred projects that I've got going on right now. Yeah, that makes sense. For us, it's a little bit different. And just, I think maybe because we're an agency, so our business model is a little, you know, just a little different. So month to month, our, our projects change. So we have more short, short-term projects. Of course, a lot of our clients are on retainers. So we know the relative revenue, but we may not know exactly how that breaks down internally. So on a PM level, they kind of get all that data from, you know, dashboards. We set up dashboards and reports that check in on projects without having to really dig in deep so they can just see a high level and see how their projects are going. But of course, there's more of an, I would say, an emotional side of it is just kind of a thermostat of how they feel like their clients are doing. We They typically have weekly or bi-weekly or monthly calls with clients. And so um, I, I would say that that's a good thermostat of, you know, how, how is my client feeling? Does this feel like what I'm delivering is okay, off the mark, you know, so they, they can identify any risks in um, projects and accounts. And then at my level, I 
rely heavily on resource forecasting. And that data comes from all of the uh, account managers on my at our at our agency and then again from and then from sales as well so um that's kind of where i focus a lot of my time or time and energy that's outside of my regular project management duties and then even a level up for me is we have executive dashboards built in and so that's where they get to see all the data the actual revenue coming in the actual um cost of projects obviously profitability and then they see what i see with resource forecasting as well and where we may not um, have enough time or yeah, hours available this month for a certain team. And if this looks like it's a long-term issue, we obviously need to hire or if it's a short-term issue, we may need to contract out. So it's kind of how we see all the data and, and, and use it and try to aggregate it so it's more manageable, like you said, since we are getting a lot of information every day. Sure. It it's tough. I'm working with an organization right now and they're um, trying to prepare for going the direction of a, of a PPM tool. And they're a pretty sizable professional services organization. And they're challenged because they can't get data that they, that they want to make some business decisions or actually business motivations. And one of the really cool things that they want to do is they said, look, I want to see, I want to see a forecast report that shows when I've got people available. I mean, that, that's kind of cool and that's out there today, but they said, but what I want is I want to know what's the bill rate for all those hours of the people I have sitting on the bench. So I can go to my sales team and say, look, you guys are challenged for your numbers. I've got a million dollars worth of revenue sitting on the bench right now in these five skill areas. Let's talk about how we get them off the bench and out in the field and helping our customers. Yeah, that's the, the power of project management, the importance of project management, right? And of course, we're biased because we're project <laughs> management focused professionals. But that's the whole purpose of this show, right, is to educate, elevate, and then go execute. Explain to me your perspectives, right, on the importance of project management, maybe at your company, but also maybe just in general within business of how we're, we're actually driving all of that, right? Project management is at the tip of everything, whether it's cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, all these new trends that are coming out there that are impacting every industry, who implements all of those project managers? So what's your perspective on the importance of project management and the role it plays out in the world today? Well, at an agency level, not the world level, but the agency level, I couldn't imagine not having project management. You, you know, I don't, I don't know how things would get done. I also think project managers are... They're kind of, you know, in this rare role where they have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of things, which is they, so they can speak to a lot of things um, with clients. Um, they are starting for us. They're starting to be more strategic and, and they're definitely business minded. So how does this project affect the business um, at a higher level than just the day to day? And so they can identify, they can also identify where things would be costly to a company. Um, they can identify those expenses on projects that and try to figure out how to reduce those costs. So like I said, at a company level, they're, they're critical just to keep things moving and, and see those business end goals. But world level, I'm struggling to find a, a good There's response. An example. Good ex yeah. Where I was going to go with, at a prior client. We, they were using an agency to help them 
on a new e-commerce site they had implemented. So they wanted to boost SEO, et cetera. And they were a traditional brick and mortar company. And Amazon had just made a public announcement that said, we're coming into your industry and we expect to be number one in that industry. So here they were a, a traditional brick and mortar company that just made an investment in e-commerce. And who were they competing against? It was no longer just the industry competitors. It was now Amazon, mm-hmm. right? So they had to go out to an agency to run projects, right? That were trying to get them to compete with the the 1,000 pound gorilla that was about to storm them. So I, I certainly appreciate obviously what you guys are doing internally there, mm-hmm. but your work then goes to those clients and their influence within their industries. Right, yeah. Well, as a whole, we're, I mean, I'll take the example. One of my clients right now is they came to us because they didn't really know um, content marketing. They didn't know how to be strategic. They were just kind of spitting out content that nobody would find or, or find and find or find useful. Not hundred percent of the time, but mm-hmm. you know, a good fifty percent or or more. And so we've helped them elevate it. So we've helped them show up in in search results. Obviously, project managers are not the sole person. They are, you sure. know, they are part of a team. Yeah. But without the project manager really leading that team, they wouldn't be where they are today. And like I said earlier, just that's what we really strive to do is grow our clients' audiences. Um, so we've, we're helping them grow their audience so that those leads can turn into real revenue um, for them. And I think we've, as an agency, I don't think, I know as an agency, we have a bunch of different case studies um, that demonstrate how we've helped all of our clients in similar ways as that. And from a data standpoint, we talk about that and you have that information you just talked about where you're helping your clients and Kim, from your perspective, and you're going out there to help your clients and we talk about how we're using project management data. What are some of the key data points that you use to drive how project management is is relevant, right? We, everyone always knows on time, on budget, on schedule, right? And all those things. But what what are the other data points? So when I think of myself as a project manager, I think I'm Jason Bourne. <laughs> I think every PM feels that way because you're, you're out there to solve a problem, right? Sure. Kind of like Winston Wolf, you know, I'm, I'm, I solve problems yep. or own opportunities either way. And I think as project managers, we get so kind of focused on our project we become project scientists. We know our KPIs. We know schedule performance index, cost variance, and all these other other things. But at the end of the day, it's about how did you solve that problem? And so you want to make sure whatever metrics you're using ultimately needs to somehow come down to how well did you solve that problem? You know, as, as an agent of change or a problem solver in your organization, your executive team has, in, has given you a bunch of money. Uh, giving you a, a big investment in time and people money and expect some kind of value in return, some kind of solved problem or capitalized opportunity. And I would say, ultimately, you need to measure yourself against how well you delivered that. going to jump into another topic, but I think it was just related to what you just said, was we've all been, pro- we're all project management leaders. And when some of us have staff or had staff past that we were managing, how do you evaluate your staff and project managers? And you just, kind of hit on it, right? How well are you delivering to those objectives? But how else do you evaluate? How do you know the good project manager from the great project manager? And how do you help them get from one to the other? I'll let you go first, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, 
So there's a few things we measure as an agency, but there's a couple that directly directly relate to what project managers do, obviously profitability. So um, we look at it at, or I look at it as a a project level, but also as at a company level. So um, not our agency as a company, but a client level, I'm sorry. Um, And then I also look sometimes Project are at our agency, we can't really um, profitability is not something we always control because maybe a sales sale is coming in and um, it's we know it's going to have a, a lower profit margin, but we're doing it for some sort of business reason. So the other thing I evaluate is uh, planned first actual hours on the project level or the client level because that's something that the project manager can directly impact, and um, if they are seeing if they are seeing that a deliverable or a project is going way out of scope, they should have done their job and, you know, alerted and started the change management process, et cetera. I also look at just like delivery. So their internal delivery and their external delivery, are they being specific when they're talking to the internal team? Are they giving their internal team what they need to be successful? Um, It's not an easy uh, metric to obviously measure, but Mm -hmm. you can, I can jump into projects and I can see what's going on. And um, we get, we do feedback. So we do 360 feedback. So that's a good temperature check for me in, in terms of that as well. Um, There are other things that we measure as an agency that aren't exactly related to project management, but project managers certainly have an impact on it. Um, Like we measure first pass yield. So in terms of us, that's are the services that we are, you know, giving, sending, being approved the first time around. And if they're not, why, why is that? And sometimes it could be that they just weren't set up for, you know, success. And that's a lot of times could be the project manager's fault in terms of not giving them what they needed to execute on a project successfully. The other thing, like you mentioned before, is on-time delivery. So obviously, this is a big one for project managers. Yeah. Um, are we delivering our services on time or are we not? And so, and, and why aren't we? So that's another one that I look into. Um, and then the last one I would say is client retention. So we have, you know, a goal that we want every single quarter. And if we don't meet that goal, it's a com- usually a combination of a lot of things, but certainly project managers play in a role of if this client is satisfied or not. And if they're not, they typically leave. And um, so that's another metric I look into when I'm evaluating or doing my annual reviews for the project managers. It's, it's similar from, from what what we see in the professional services world. The, the PS world is a little different from your internal PMO, of course. I think in the PS world, it's easier to measure things like that. So you can look at things like, you know, not just have they delivered their project, but have they delivered it to the expected, you know, profitability? Um, is the customer satisfied? That's always a really important one, um, customer satisfaction. And um, the, a successful strategy I've seen there is uh, for a project, you get a customer set rating and that reflects on the entire team. Maybe the customer wasn't happy with one or two aspects of the project. Maybe somebody on a team says, well, look, I wasn't involved in that piece. How come I get rated based on something somebody else did? And likewise, I've also seen success with uh, overall utilization, measuring people against that. And then from a resource perspective, you might say, well, I'm not a salesman. I don't drive that. How can I be measured based on you know utilization and get a bonus based on if I hit that or miss that? And I had a very wise uh, manager once who used to say there were no dry seats on the Titanic. So we're all in this together. And whatever your small contribution is to 
customer satisfaction within the project or helping drive additional utilization uh, and revenue, you can contribute to that. And we're all in this together ultimately. And so we all are going to succeed. And in those areas, we're all possibly, I don't want to say fail, but, you know, maybe miss our bonus or whatever it is. Yeah, I love the fact that both of you had talked about metrics where it's the project manager and or team members, right, are all part of a, a bigger measurement. And it's not just how well you did on your project. In, in a sense, what you're saying is you're creating a culture of, of project success and how you're contributing to the overall outcomes of the organization. And too often we get focused on, did my project do it? And I'm going to leave dead bodies in my wake as long as I got <laughs> my project done. But you didn't really help the company when you did that, right? Yeah, it's true. That's, that can be painful. So how do you scope out new projects, right? If, if you've got different clients coming, Jen, right, each month, and you may not know who they are or when they're coming, how do you plan for those, right? How are you, how are you doing that scoping exercise? Our project managers don't necessarily scope out projects. So maybe I'm in a little rare form here or rare situation here, but um, it's typically up our sales or our account managers that scope. But we are at the under, other end of that. Um, so we, once we receive kind of the scope, we, we do have to review it and see, do we understand what this scope is? Can we effectively communicate to our team so that we can set up the projects and then if not, you know, we have to go back and kind of dig in and, and try to figure that out. Or we could be in the rare situation where like, this is missing something, you know? And so then we have to, we'll recommend whatever is missing so that we can go back to the client and kind of rescope some things. Typically we're not in charge of rescoping it, but we are the person that kind of raises our hand and says, yeah, this is missing and this is not going to go well if we don't include it. So not in charge of the actual Initial strategy scope. to yeah. scope it, but we are in charge of execution and at least raising our hand if something doesn't seem right. Yeah. Remember I had a conversation with a project management office lead one time and it was an organization where I was a senior management and there were constant complaints that, oh, sales, sales didn't did this right. Sales didn't fix it. You know, sales, sales gave me this project and it's terrible and it's awful and it's the worst thing ever. And ultimately, we had to have a conversation. I said, look, you're the PMO manager. It's your job to get this sorted out. You're here to fix the problem. So um, don't just drop the customer and act like it's not your problem. We need you to help sort this out. That doesn't mean you have to take responsibility for mistakes or problems somebody else made, but you need to hold that up and you need to drive that to resolution so that we can take care of the customer. And there's also an understanding, right, that project management, like any organizational function, isn't a standalone function. It has inputs and outputs from other processes. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. so the sales has an input into project management, and maybe the breakdown is on that handoff. And maybe it, the scope isn't the problem. Maybe it's when the project team found out of what the scope was. If they knew about that scope earlier, maybe in their portfolio assessment, they could have had the right resources or whatever the issue may be, right? So we're actually working with a client right now who's saying that, right? The internal project teams are saying, ah, <laughs> oh, darn those salespeople. And the sales team saying, well, I can't bring in the project people because they're not available yet, right? And it's that constant struggle of the intake and how to handle yeah. that. You where I've seen that be really successful is where you have some kind of a gating mechanism where you've got a flag that says, if a project is over this size or this complexity, then before we, you know, if you're professional services, before we send the statement of work to the customer, I need professional services to review it and give it their thumbs up. Direct, the, the PS people, the delivery people, 
So that way it breaks down that that wall. And then for internal PMOs, you've got to have some, maybe some kind of a gate that says, look, if I've got the big project coming in, even though our product owners or whoever built that business case might feel strong enough to go and ask for money to do this this way, if it's big enough, we need to pull in some people from the PMO to have a look at it and give it a reality check because they're the ones going to be accountable for delivering it. And you definitely want to have, you want them to have skin in the game and be bought into that before they, right. before they get yeah. done. That's exactly how we handle some of our bigger uh, contracts yeah. or scopes of work that come come in is we, we do just that, is we involve the leaders on, of the subject matter expert teams in in the review to see like, you know, d- does this make sense? Can we execute on it? And then on the other hand, like, oh, we, we need to staff up for <laughs> for this. This is a big one if we if we win it. So we need to start looking for extra resources. And that's super important. And when you have accounts that could come in at that certain threshold there. So that was a good point you made. I, I think most organizations will eventually get there once they felt enough of the pain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if it comes in and you're not prepared, then it's a scramble. Yeah. You you're know? going to deliver. You're not going to say, I'm sorry, we're not yeah. going to take that business today. Right. We're busy. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that client onboarding is one of those super critical foundational um, elements to signing a new client, especially for us, that we've seen if client onboarding doesn't go well, then their satisfaction, it's, it goes down and it really negatively impacts us. So we've worked actually over 2017, beginning of 2017, to kind of fix our client, client onboarding processes so that the handoff from sales to the uh, people that are executing, so project managers, account managers, and SMEs are, you know, is this seamless process. So now we talked earlier about adoption for PPM, but what you're talking about is actually adoption of your organization. So what are some of the things you do to drive that client adoption of you and your services? It's a lot of education, I would say. Uh, So a lot of our clients, it's very, depending on their size, we like to start them off with like a workshop, which kind of shows us, shows them what we're all about, the different services we offer, like how you can work with us. Other clients, it's the the client kickoff meetings. We always have a client kickoff meeting. The people working on the counter are in the meeting itself. You know, we talk to the client and we get to know them. And we like to do this if we can't do it in person because um, lots of our clients are not located here in Arizona. We try to do video conference so they get that personal touch and personal feel. And we explain roles and responsibilities really early on so they know who to go to if they have questions or concerns and, and that sort of thing. So that, that's been helpful. Um, that's only one part of our client operating process, but it's the part that they see. And I think they've, they've really enjoyed it, especially the changes we made to it. Well, we are surprisingly almost at the top of the hour. So time flies when you're talking project <laughs> management, right? Yeah. We're just getting warmed up. I know. Other. I want to, where's happy hour? Uh, <laughs> next. So uh, I think the, again, the, the reason I love this show is we bring in people from different industries with different experiences and they talk about a common topic uh, and project management is so important to the different organizations. So today, digital agency, professional services firms, in the past, we've had large corporations, startup corporations and other corporations but what we're doing is, again, educating on project management, elevating the expectations of what we can do, and then executing on what we do as project managers. So thank you both for being on today and help us get that message out there. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Joe. Uh, and I'll give each of you one last chance to r- remind folks about who you are, what you do, and how they can get in touch with you. So, Jen, is there 
any of the last words you have for the audience today? <laughs> uh, well, you can get hold of me at LinkedIn. So Jennifer Tanabi, you can see that on the website. And then uh, Twitter, I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. Our whole agency is. And then um, Vertical Measures, that's the company. Great. Okay. All right. Well, uh, call me group, my P- uh, PPM um, consultancy. Uh, reach out to us if you are, want to talk about PPM. That's our whole thing. It's our entire life and practice now is selection, implementation, adoption, and really making your life better through PPM. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hit us on uh, call me group. That's K-O-L-M-E group.com. You can hit me on LinkedIn if you like. And of course, I'd love to have you listen to my podcast as well at uh, pmhappyhour.com. We just try to have fun talking about project management and other random topics sometimes. That's awesome. All right. Thank you both. Uh, I just want to remind everyone that we're live the first and third Thursday each month. We do have a change coming up. We've been at 12 o'clock noon. So starting with our next show on May 3rd, we're going to be at 11 in the morning. So uh, one hour earlier. And uh, we'll have someone in from Pivotal Payments and uh, other guests joining us next week, or in two weeks, rather. So we look forward to that show. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're 100% project management focused 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management best practices, PMOs, project management training, PM software selection, competing with Comey Group, uh, <laughs> and support uh, for your project managers to run your key strategic projects. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, on PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours, our retrospective on project management lessons learned. <laughs>